What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the College Game Time Podcast. I am your host, Trey Smith. We're one of the fastest growing college football podcasts. Right now, we focus on covering the American Athletic Conference. Uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're either watching on YouTube or listening. Today is Monday. I haven't really thought of a catchy term of what to call today, but it's when I run down, run down Monday. I go through all the games from Saturday, from Thursday, from Friday. And we had a full slate this past weekend. So I am very fast and furiously going to run through the, the storylines of American athletic football over the weekend. Um, maybe do a slight look ahead to this upcoming week, but we've got the rest of the week for that. But we do have some intriguing matchups coming up. But I want to talk about uh, what we just saw. I think we're starting to see some things take shape in the conference. Um, there are some concerns, but none that necessarily surprise me. Eh, maybe a couple, but um, let's get to it. All right. If you're if 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 you're watching on YouTube, please like, subscribe, share it with a friend, watch it to the end, comment at the end. If you're listening on one of the streaming platforms, I would greatly appreciate a five star rating and a positive review um, if you feel led to do so. But let's start with Thursday night. We had Memphis Navy. I kind of already talked about that last week, so I'm not going to get to it. I'm not going to spend much time on it today because I talked about it on Friday's episode. Um, but now that we've been through the full slate of games, that was probably the best, one of the best games of the weekend for the American Athletic Conference slate. Um, UNT, Louisiana Tech gives it a little bit of a run for its money, but we'll get to them in just a second. Then Friday night on primetime, Army just absolutely bullied UTSA. You know, UTSA had their backup quarterback in. I thought he played well. I don't feel like he was the reason that they lost. Um, quite frankly, they could not stop that Army offense. And as I told you, if you've been listening to this show, I told you that Army does not run the same old double wing, triple option offense, flex bone, whatever you want to call it. Okay, they brought in a new guy when the cut block rule change, changes were, were in, implemented. I feel like it resembles the Coastal Carolina offense from a couple years ago, which I guess is probably what Liberty's running now since that's where that coach is. Um, it also kind of resembled a little bit of the, uh, um, what was his name? The former guy that used to coach it. He was the head coach at Notre Dame and he was at New Mexico about six, seven years ago. Led him to nine win season. Bob Davey, Bob Davey, he, he had kind of like a pistol spread triple option offense that he had put together and uh, had, had some success at New Mexico. But anyways, their offense resembles more of that. UTSA couldn't stop it. I'm a little worried about UTSA now for this season. Um, Frank Harris is going to have to get healthy. I don't know what's about to happen this weekend with Tennessee, right? Barring a major upset. UTSA is looking at going into conference play with three losses. That's not good if they are, in fact, going to be a team that competes for the conference championship. What, what, what the AAC needs is a zero loss, one loss, and maybe a two-loss team to win the conference. And those two losses have to be like quality losses um, in order to get that New Year's Six bid at season's end. But... On the flip side to that game, 
it made me more excited about Army joining the conference. And as of this morning, um, Ross Dellinger reported that not only has Army extended their contract with Jeff Munkin, the head coach, but their, their talks are continuing to heat up and making great progress towards Army joining the AAC. Uh, but that should be happening in the coming weeks. Getting to the Saturday slate. All right. Alabama USF. Hey, Shout out the Bulls, okay, especially that defense. They came to play, and not only were they the more edgier team and, dare I say, the more aggressive team, that team was playing like they were there to win. They didn't look like a team that was coming out going, eh, let's just see if we can keep it close, and eh, let's just see if we can keep it respectable. They took the field, and they came to play. They were physical. They were flying around. They were hitting guys, and I felt like they had a chance there for a bright like, window of time, for a little window of time where they might have been able to pull off that upset. Uh, obviously, Bama pulled away in the second half. They got a touchdown in the third, a touchdown in the fourth. It felt like that game was 3-3 for the longest. There was a, a weather delay. The rain started pouring down. It was sloppy conditions. Those, those USF uniforms just looked so sweet. It reminds me of the USF teams I was watching back in high school. Um, what was it? The, the, the gold helmets, gold pants, green was it gold pants and green jerseys or green, whatever, but those gold helmets and all just, they, they, they looked like the team. I remember the Jason Pierre Paul days. Um, and it's gotta make you wonder is USF man. Do they have a chance to make some noise in conference play? Do they have a chance to make a bowl game? Like what, you know, what do you put their ceiling at now? Um, Byron Brown struggled, but, one, it's Bama's defense and the conditions, and he's, what, 19 years old. So, again, as I've been saying, like, another great learning experience for him. And, I mean, if you're goalish, do you just ride it with ride, ride with him the rest of the season? Ride with your young kid and, um, you know, go through the ups and downs, go through the hills and valleys together. But, man, USF probably would get my, like, you know, gritty team of the week award. Um I was very impressed with their defense and, and, and how they played the game, right? You can tell when a team's playing scared. You can tell when a team's playing not to lose or playing not to get blown out. USF played to win. And they showed me something this weekend. So I'm curious to see what they look like with conference play. And I believe they've got Rice coming up this weekend, who also looks tough right now. But I think this game is going to be more competitive than I initially thought. Keeping it moving, we had Tulsa and OU. OU at Tulsa, actually. Uh, it was just a blowout from the start. Just a blowout from the start. Back-to-back, Tulsa just blowouts. They, now, it's two tough teams. I mean, you're talking Washington and OU. Two teams that might win their respective conferences. Um, but, yeah, I still don't know what to make of this Tulsa team. Right, we've had the UAPB game where they started off sluggish, then exploded for 28 second quarter points. Um, then they had Washington, OU back to back. They still look like a team that even in these blowouts like are, are still shooting themselves in the foot a little more than they need to be. So 
I'm ready to see how they look against more comparable competition. I'm not ready to throw in my towel on them being a bounce back team this year. I still think they can be ball eligible. I still think they have the talent. Um, you know, and I guess we'll see. They've got Northern Illinois coming up, followed by Temple, FAU, and Rice. So that ought to tell us these next few weeks what type of team we're dealing with here with the Golden Hurricanes. Uh, moving on, we had uh, Norfolk State. Norfolk State? Norfolk? I used to call it Norfolk, and people used to say it's Norfolk. So if I'm saying it wrong, my apologies. But Norfolk State and Temple. So the, the final score, Temple did what they were supposed to do. They beat them 41 to 9. But if you're a Temple fan listening to this or watching this right now, how good are you feeling about this win? Defensively, solid. Something about the offensive line just still isn't clicking for me. I feel like EJ Warner is still taking too many hits it feels like he's running for his life on more plays than not. And I'm just worried about that. If that's the case against this level of competition, what's it going to look like in conference play? See, Temple's my other bounce back team. I need them to make a bowl game this year. I'm high on EJ Warner. I'm high now on this defense. I think this defense is good at making adjustments as the game goes on. I think they're getting better as the season goes on. But that offensive line is going to have to get something figured out if they're going to be able to win some games in conference play this year. But if you're a Temple fan, I'm curious to know your thoughts on it. Um, overall, great game. I mean, they won 41-9. to I'm not trying to sound like I'm being overly critical, but, you know, that was the only game on for that 1 o'clock window, so I was able to really watch them without the distraction of, you know, seven other games. And that was just my takeaway, mainly in the first half was, man, EJ still seems to be taking too many hits and he seems to be running for his life, you know, having to make play, having to extend plays with his legs more times than not. Maybe it's not the O-line. Maybe it's him. I don't know. It feels like it's the O-line though because of the pressure that's coming. So Temple fans, let me know how we're feeling. Um, I know we'll talk more about this as the week goes on, but Got Miami coming to town this weekend. And Miami, I mean, they look, they look tough. They look the part. They're a physical team. They're a strong team. They're a team that, that, I mean, they play the game with almost an old school grit to them. So that'll be a good test for Temple and kind of see, is it going to be more like Rutgers or can they figure something out? Um, hopefully we have a good fan turnout for that because I think that's on ESPN2. Yeah, ESPN2. All right, moving on. God, East Carolina App State, man. I, I thought there for a minute uh, East Carolina was, was going to get it done. You know, they still didn't quite figure out their offensive woes. Their offense looked a lot better than how it's been performing. But, you know, don't let the 28 points fool you. There, there were two defensive touchdowns in that. Uh, the final score is 43-28. App State just, they, they were too much for them. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, they had a big, uh, 20 point third quarter. Um, that game, was that game delayed too? Or am I getting my weeks mixed up? I, I feel like something happened during that game or maybe it was just, there were like five other games playing at the same time. Yeah. I think that's what it was. And so I kept coming back to ECU app state. And as I was watching it, man, that defense was looking good. Defense was putting points on the board. Offense was moving the ball better than what I've seen. 
And then what's going on with Flynn? Was he hurt? Did he come back? You know, I, I'm concerned for East Carolina, guys, to be honest with you. I'm not sure um, what, what they're going to be in conference play um, because I think a lot of their, their success was going to rise and fall on the quarterback, and, and, and that position has not um, lived up to, I think, what some people's expectations were. Not everybody. I think there were other people who were like, eh, we kind of saw this coming. So that's fair. Uh, Tulane Southern Miss in a, you know, what's considered a rivalry game. Uh, last year, uh, yeah, pretty sure Southern Miss won this game, if uh, I remember correctly, because uh, Tulane, was this when they were coming off the big win against Kansas State a season ago? I'm going to look it up right now as I'm talking to you. If you're a Tulane fan, you're probably yelling at me like, yeah, dude, yeah, yeah, don't, don't. Yeah, coming off the big win against Kansas State, 24-27 loss to Southern Miss. Well, they redeemed themselves pretty convincingly. That defense for Tulane, man, they're legit. I love it. I love it. I wasn't sure what they were going to look like preseason when they lost those two playmaking linebackers, but my goodness. Um, this, is, this is a – and a new coordinator like this – this defense looks the part. Offensively, it was, I mean, backup quarterback still in. And he's he's doing what he needs to do. Um, um, and they still got explosive playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. Got it done when they needed to get it done. Won the game 21-3. Uh, I hope Michael Pratt will be back soon because as we saw week one, Man, that offense just clicked. Looked like they hadn't skipped a beat. Playing against a good South Alabama team who actually just put it on Oklahoma State. So uh, they need Pratt. But, you know, you got Nichols coming up. Then UAB. And if UAB doesn't improve, I I think you could, if you had to, get him healthy for Memphis. But you'd like to have him back for that UAB game just to kind of work some of the kinks and cobwebs out before that, what appears is going to be a big matchup at Memphis. Next, Georgia State-Charlotte, man. You know, Charlotte kept fighting, but it just never really felt like they were they were really in the game, even though they were in the game. But it was like, it's, it was one of those games that as I had it on one of my screens, I kept watching. And it's like, just as soon as I started to like, check out on it and, and focus on other games. It's like they would do something to pull me back in. Um, they got a lot to figure out, guys. And I'm going to reiterate something I said preseason that I think some people pushed back on. But I said that Charlotte's success under Biff Pogey is going to rise and fall on the quality of his offensive and defensive coordinators and really his staff altogether. Biff Pogey reminds me of a Sam Pittman, Brett Bielema type coach. He's going to be a really, he's going to be a good recruiter. Um, Players are going to love him. He's going to get kids to run through a wall for him. But like at the end of the day, he's going to have to have a staff in place that, that, that makes sure Charlotte schematically is prepared and not getting out coached. Um, 
And that, I mean, look, I don't want to take anything away from Georgia State, bro. Georgia State looked good. Georgia State, I believe, is good. That's why they're my number one team after Army as far as AAC expansion targets, which I talked about last week. But Charlotte's got to figure it out, man. And, you know, you had all the antics in the offseason. You had all the media. All eyes are on you. And I, I, I said it. I said it going into week one, man. I was like, I think his success is going to rise and fall on his, on his coordinators and his staff. And, you know, I don't really know anything about the two guys he has in place now. I know based off his press conference, he is not too happy or too pleased with uh, his offensive staff right now. And, you know, he, he, he alluded to, well, if I got to go up in the booth and call the game myself, that's what we're going to do because I'm not so sure we don't need to make changes on that side of the ball in regards to the staff. Like, do I think he's actually going to do that? No. I mean, he might. He's Biff Pogey. He does what he wants. But that was him trying to send a message to those guys of like, you better get this thing figured out. Um, that's what I'm telling you. That's what I said. You know, he's, he's going to bring in the kids. He's going to bring in the talent. Um, he's going to instill the culture and the mentality. And he's going to get guys to play hard. But like at this level, you got to have more than that. And that's where he's going to have to have the right people in place to make sure that they're not getting out-schemed and out-coached. They've got a big one coming up with Florida. They're looking at a one-in-three hole. All right, let's keep it moving. North Texas Mean Green finally breaks the ice. 40-37 to victory over Louisiana Tech. They almost gave it away. They almost had a special team's blunder ruin another game for the second week in a row but I gotta tell you man and you know what I think I need to pull the stats up to this game because the 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 big positive other than the win which you just want to get a win man a win is a win is a win break that ice first year head coach at the pro or the head coach is first year at the program he's not a first year head coach but first year at this level at this program break the ice with the first win it looked like they were going to win pretty convincing. And then that fourth quarter, um, defense, eh, offense, eh. But they did what they needed to do to get it done. And they won 40-37. to 37. But what I was saying, other than just winning, they found their quarterback. Chandler Rogers threw for over 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, ran for another 35 yards. Uh, overall, as a team, they ran for almost 250 yards. Uh, very well-balanced offense, put some points on the board, got some yards. Offense hasn't really been their problem. Their defense has been. Their defense looked way better, especially uh, in the first and third quarters. It was weird. It was like they started the they started the game, they started the second half. So it's like if they can just put a four-quarter performance together defensively, um, I still think this team has a chance to make a bowl game which I think a lot of the fan base would consider a, a, a win at this point, especially given the, the start. Uh, so I would say I got North Texas trending upward in the right direction. Moving on, UAB, Louisiana. This one got ugly, man. This was a, man, I think it was 24 to nothing, then like 34 to three. I mean, kudos to UAB for like not giving up. I mean, I think the final score, yeah, 41-21, but... They just got beat in all, all aspects of the game. 
And they, they're going to have to figure it out pretty quick because it's not going to get easier for them if they want to be a, a bowl-eligible team. But to reiterate, the reason why I didn't have them in my conversations preseason as far as, you know, incoming team most likely to make noise, I didn't have them in any of those conversations because, as I said, I didn't think it was fair to Coach Dilfer coming in as a first-year head coach with two first-year coordinators he needs time to, to build this program. I know UAB fans right now are livid. You're wondering who the heck is this team? Where are we headed? You know, all hope is gone. I get it. I get it. But um, I, I just think Dilfer is going to need some time. And then SMU, man. SMU and Rice, boy. They just dominated. SMU 69 to nothing over Prairie View A&M. Nice little tune-up game for the upcoming rivalry game with TCU. There's a lot of bad blood there. It feels like that rivalry has escalated even more now with SMU getting ready to go to the ACC. Um, For the sake of the conference, man, I want SMU to beat TCU. And here's a question I have about this game. Seriously. What position group does TCU have the advantage over SMU? I mean, I'm looking quarterback, running back, maybe receivers, but I, I, I mean, that's, even then I think it's a toss up O line, D line, linebacker, secondary, like what, <laughs> if you went, you know, position group by position group, compare and contrasting SMU and TCU, which ones would you give TCU the advantage on? So I don't, I don't want to sit here and say, oh, man, SMU is about to win this game convincingly because it is a rivalry game and anything can happen in these rivalry games. And I'm pretty sure they are at TCU. Yeah, they're at TCU, 11 a.m. kickoff on FS1. But yeah, man, SMU, they're definitely in my top tier teams right now. I mean, I've got Memphis, Tulane, SMU, and then maybe, maybe one other team. Not ready to name that one other team yet. I want us to let a little more time. We get a couple more weeks of football under our belt, but I for sure see those three as being the top leading the charge. Um, then, you, of course, you had Rice. They, they did the same type of performance, winning 59-7. to seven. Here's what I'm going to say about Rice, man. Don't let them boys start getting confidence. Don't let JT Daniels, don't let Luke McCaffrey, like don't let them start getting confidence because – uh, I mean, JT Daniels threw for four touchdowns, zero interceptions, 250 yards. Uh, Luke McCaffrey, two catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. I mean, don't let the offense start clicking. I told you already, the defense, they look good. They just got to put a full game together. And of course, it was against lower competition, but they did that on Saturday night. Um, and now they can look ahead to what appears to be a big conference opening game against USF. Because that USF defense looked gritty. Rice's defense has been looking gritty. Well, in, in, you know, like I said, for a half week one, for three quarters in week two, and then for four quarters in week three. So let's see how they look in week four against South Florida. Uh, that's actually at ESPNU. That's a linear game coming up Saturday, um, I think, in the 3 p.m. time slot. Uh, and then finally, uh, And you guys can give me idiot of the week for this one. I really thought Florida Atlantic FAU was going to be competitive, and they just weren't. They got dominated in every aspect of the game against Clemson. Clemson beat FAU 48-14. I think I'm still clinging to the Houston era Tom Herman, who was the giant killer who came in year one and 
Year one knocks off Florida State. Year two knocks off a top three OU team. You know, gets the nickname Giant Killer. And I think I was just, I think I had a little too high of an expectation. Now, can FAU maybe make some noise in conference play? Well, we're going to see. But at this point, the teams we need to keep winning are Memphis, Tulane, SMU. And then if you had to put that, that next team up, or next team in guys at this point it's rice because their their one loss is to texas um and quite frankly i mean they got the power five win over houston like that's good should they go on a run not saying they will but should they like that's going to be a pretty good new year's six resume so those are the four teams we need to keep winning um i think there might be a one other but we're going to let this play out a little bit more. And, um, God, yeah, that's it for today, man. Monday. Whew. Rundown Monday. I don't know. We got to come up with something maybe more catchy. But uh, that, there's your week, your week three. And then finally, I'll say this, those of you still listening, like if you're in the TikTok world, go follow College Game Time. I'm actually, I actually went viral on TikTok over the weekend. Uh, I've got 1.1 million views on a video that I posted Saturday. It's a little bit different type of content than what I normally do like with this podcast or even on this channel. Um, but it's something that's uh, you know, important to me. Uh, I've been trying to find a way to merge my, my impactful, inspirational side with my you know, sports talking head side, journalist side. And so I'm gonna kind of start using TikTok as a way to do my own, do journalism my way, where I tell stories my way and correlate it to life or whatever. Anyways, if you're in that world, I know not everybody is, but if you're in the TikTok world, it's just like YouTube. It's at College Game Time. Go give me a follow and check out the video I posted over the weekend. It's got 1.1 million views right now and it's only 60 seconds. So what, what better way to do journalism than in 60 to 90 second clips? But anyways, yeah, that's it. Uh, hope y'all have a great week. Hope you have a happy Monday and I will see y'all tomorrow uh, on the College Game Time Podcast. That's it for me today, Trey Smith.